0: All right, so welcome back again this afternoon, and I will share something with you to help wake you up. So if I see anybody start nodding off, I'm going to do it right away. All right, so try to stay awake for just a few minutes here. We're going to just give you an overview in hydrotherapy because hydrotherapy is so much a part of massage therapy as well. We have massage therapy courses, and we always include the hydrotherapy because it's such an adjunct in such a, you know, a great relationship with massage therapy. When I worked at Dr. Thomas's, we would usually give them about a half an hour, 20 minutes, half hour of, mas- of hydrotherapy before we incorporated any massage therapy. So we would do some hot and cold treatments and that would really calm down the muscles and we could get in there and work so much more effectively. So the combination of hydrotherapy with massage therapy is a wonderful thing. It's kind of like the gospel and medical ministry. They should never be separated (laughs) because they help each other out. We're going to talk about that, too, how um, medical ministry is the right hand of the gospel. So I wanted to share with you one of my favorite quotes again. Okay, change. There we go. Hold on. Oh, that's strange. Christ's method alone. I don't know why it did that. Let me check my other slides here. Okay, that one's all right. Well, I have no idea why it did that. I checked them earlier today. But anyways, we can still read it. Christ's method alone. Because I want you guys to really get this into your heads. Because this really is such a big part of medical ministry. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. Right? He showed them his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs like we're going to do, and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. Yes. So I want you to become very familiar with that, because it is really the basis of medical missionary work. Divine origin. True medical missionary work is of heavenly origin. The medical missionary work is of divine origin and has a most glorious mission to fulfill. I like that. It's just not the mission. It's a glorious mission to fulfill. And if you look in the back of your packet, there's a whole list of almost three pages of quotes on medical ministry. So some of those quotes will be there. In this presentation, I don't have all the front part of it in your notes, but the back part of it will be in the notes. So I'll let you know when that starts. If you see the hydrotherapy where it starts with the dilation and the the constriction. And then again, we know that during his ministry, Jesus devoted more time to healing the sick than to preaching. And also, as you relieve the suffering of the body, you will find ways for ministering to the wants of the soul. You know, one time I had, when I was at Dr. Thomas's, My spiritual life was maybe a little rocky at times. And I remember even when I went to Weimar, I just wanted to learn the techniques and all. I didn't really want to to have anything to do with the spiritual. And I remember having some type of bronchitis and somebody giving me a hot fomentation. Well, hot fomentation is a lot of work. You know, you put the—you have to have your heat there for the feet, and then you put the fomentations on the back and on the front, and you have the ice and everything. So one of the ladies that worked there volunteered. She was actually the secretary or business manager and volunteered to give me a hydrotherapy treatment. And I was like, well, okay, all right, you know. So here she had me packed in with these heavy packs all over me. Well, where was I to go, right? <laughs> So the beautiful thing is she shared her testimony with me. She told me the story of how she found the Lord and how the Lord brought her into medical ministry. And to me, that was just the most meaningful thing, you know, that she didn't rattle off a lot of scriptures. She didn't try to bombard me with the three angels message, you know, all those kind of things. Although those are wonderful things, but she shared her testimony with me. And you know what? We can share that with anybody. Even to hear a Bible verse of something positive and something that gives hope. Isn't that just a a wonderful thing? So we get to spend time with people when we give massage, when we put them under all those packs of hydrotherapy and things like that. We get to share Christ with them. And our own story is so powerful to share. It says, you can point to the uplifted Savior and tell of the love of the great physician who alone has power to restore. Because you got to remember, a lot of people may come to you as their last hope. They've been to doctors all over. They've been and had treatments all over the place. And you think, well, I don't have this big education. Am I going to be able to help these people? But you know what? We have an edge, (laughs) Right. We have the great physician that we can ask, you know, and that can communicate through us. I can see in the Lord's providences that the medical missionary work is to be a great entering wedge where the diseased soul may be reached. And this is Councils on Health, page 535. It's an entering wedge. And uh, there are so many souls out there that need to be reached. And again, every member of the church. We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of the medical missionary work. Do you believe that? Right? And that's out of Testimonies, Volume 7, page 62. And I love this story of the the Good Samaritan. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as as you did it to one of the least of these mine brethren, You have done it unto me. You know, we ask God for so many things. And sometimes I feel like I always have these give me prayers. (laughs) It's kind of like, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't mean to ask for so many things. You know, let me do something for you. I want to do something for you. So this is a really neat opportunity that we can actually give back to God and say, Jesus, I want to do this for you. Send me somebody. You think he will when you ask him that? Send me somebody that I can... You know, do medical missionary work with today. And he will. He never, he never fails. Natural remedies. See the pill head there? <laughs> it says, let them pray for the sick, ministering to their necessities, not with drugs, but with nature's remedies, and teaching them how to regain health and avoid disease. That's out of Testimonies, Volume 9, page 172. And then our, our last slide here on this, words of encouragement. He will make the weak strong because they trust in him to do for them that which they cannot do for themselves. What does that mean? Have you, are you a doctor? Are you a nurse? Can you still treat people even if you're not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely but god makes up for our lack of knowledge in some things he makes up for it. it says god will accept the wholehearted service and will himself make up the differences and i love that because there's no way we know everything about the body even physicians and nurses they don't know everything about the body but as you keep studying and you keep praying and stay connected with god he will make up the difference for our insufficiencies and that's on the Ministry of Healing page 150 so I love that And, and there is a place in Ministry of Healing that talks about angels that angels will come and help us you know because they know we're wholeheartedly trying to help people so let's talk a little bit about the history history of hydrotherapy very fascinating um, Hippocrates way back in 460 BC Give me the power to create a fever, and I shall cure any disease. He even knew that way back then. This is a lot of what we do in hydrotherapy. Have you heard of fever treatments? Right, they put them in a tub and heat them up to about 130, or 103, till till the client gets to 103 degrees, and keeps it there for about 20 minutes or so. I mean, wonderful treatments for cancer and all kinds of different things. Here's a a guy, William Winternitz, M.D. He was a Czech-Austrian-Jewish physician and kind of like the um, father of hydrotherapy. He was an influential neurologist in hydrotherapy, commonly characterized as the father of scientific hydrotherapy. It truly is a science, because just throwing people in hot and cold isn't going to do the trick. You've got to know how long should it be hot, how long should it be cold. A lot of different things. It truly is a science, and they used it way back. I mean, this is 1835 to 1917, when Mr. Witternitz lived, or Dr. Witternitz, And he, if you look in the old, old books, you'll see studies that he did, actual scientific studies. Most of the studies that we find are back in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And now they're just starting to do studies on it again, and we're hoping that Loma Linda University will will get on board. They've talked about doing some studies with our therapist on um, pneumonia and hot fomentations helping elderly people to get over pneumonia using hot fomentations, and that's coming from um, one of the main physicians in the um, immunology department or whatever. So, and then we have Vincent Prisenets. He's an Austrian farmer who treated himself for a serious accident. He had a cart that rolled over, and he was injured all over, and they said, you know what, you're never going to be normal again. And he said, Well, he had picked up a brochure somewhere on the street that talked about cold water cures. And so he started just wrapping himself with these little, he'd put cold water on a cloth and wrap his knees up or wrap his elbows up, wrap up different parts, and even getting in the cold water. But cold was his big thing because cold actually will make you strong. I remember one time uh, a physician down in, Dr. Cox down in Mexico had a place. And he had taught these, people there in Mexico to give hot and cold treatments. But they would only do the hot part because they were trained as young people from little on that if you get cold you're going to get sick. So they would love to do the hot part of the treatment, but they would never do the cold part. And that's so important for a reaction. And so I said, will you please come down and have a class for them and teach them the importance of including the cold. So I learned a lot about the cold and how it is so important for a reaction and it does make you strong. I remember Dr. Thomas talking about a lady who had MS. The lady and the husband came up and said, "What can we do, you know? We I want to get better from this MS." And he says, "Well, where do you live?" And I think she was up in like close to Lake Michigan or somewhere close to a cold lake. And it was in the winter time. And he says, "Well, take your wife and toss her in the lake every day." And he was like, "What, you know?" But he went home, and he actually did that. This is one of Dr. Thomas's favorite stories, I think, because I'd hear it all the time. And uh, and she became well after a while. And when we're dealing with patients with MS, you should never use heat. So one important thing when you're doing hydrotherapy, never use heat on someone with multiple sclerosis. You can actually worsen their condition. So cold treatments are great for them. And this guy here, he treated himself and first treated his neighbors in 1840. He ended up treating 1,600 patients from all over the world. Just a farmer, seeing some of the patients in his own little town. And then it grew and he became so well known all over the world for using the cold water and a healthy diet. Wouldn't that be cool if you could do that? People in your neighborhood find out and they're sending everybody to you. And pretty soon, who knows who you have coming to Because even the doctors ask him questions and things. So he published The Cold Water Cure back in 1843. And then in Europe, Sebastian Kneipp from 1827, 1897, he was a Bavarian priest, actually, who cured himself of TB. TB was a very, you know, that was pretty much a death sentence back in those days. So he actually cured himself using hydrotherapy and he treated royalty and simple peasants alike as a lay healer. Again, not a physician, he was a priest, right? And then if you've ever heard of uh, Dr. Jackson, he wrote outstanding results of hydrotherapy by our pioneers. And he had a place in Danville, New York. And this is where Ellen White actually learned about hydrotherapy and had recently, um, well, not recently here, but she had read some things. And it helped her two two daughters. It saved their lives. I don't remember exactly what disease they had, cholera, or something like that. But anyway, she gave the treatments that Jackson had had given her to give and her two children survived and then also later on she took James White there for treatments. So he was one of the big physicians who had a center, you know, who really did hydrotherapy and helped to cure people there. And then of course you guys probably know this guy here, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. Have you heard of him? Okay. Did you know he was just a little man? Uh, I was reading or I I was listening to a a sermon recently and someone said he was five foot eight. And from nurses that I talked to in Loma Linda, some of the older nurses still remember Dr. Kellogg. And I used to have them come out and, and talk at Dr. Thomas's hydrotherapy classes. And she said he would always be on his bicycle and always wearing a white suit. And you'd see him on his bicycle, you know, riding by our house. And, and it was, uh, yeah, he was quite the man. He traveled all over the world. He was five years ahead of the medical profession. That's huge. And when he was asked that by a reporter one time, he said, it's because I follow the writings of Ellen White. So in the direction that she gives me. So he was the director of Battle Creek Sanitarium. Of course, there were two of them. Remember one burnt down? and then another one was presented. And he had, if you, if you go to the ABC, they have a book called Kellogg. Very interesting book of his life. You know, he had, he adopted, I think 35, 40 kids, something like that. I mean, just amazing things that this guy did. He was into inner city work. He went to Chicago. He helped um, the, the alcoholics and things like that. It was one of his favorite things sometimes to hang out with them is what this guy was saying, the historian. And uh Battle Creek Sanitarium, twelve hundred bed hospital. That's huge. That's huge. And he had over two thousand people working for him. So all the people who worked in the kitchen. And I remember I've pictures when we went in there when we visited Battle Creek. Big chandeliers that came from like Portugal or whatever, special blown glass. Huge, huge cafeteria. I mean and to think of it being packed with people, all eating healthy foods and things. And the sand drew thousands from all over the world. President William Taft, Henry Ford, J.C. Penny, Eleanor Roosevelt, Amelia Earhart. And they took a lot of charity cases. So he was very generous that way, not just catering to the people who could afford. So this was the first one that was built, And then this is the one that's actually still standing. Well, the next one will be. But these are kind of their big hydrotherapy tubs. And it takes a lot of plumbing. But I would say it's quite doable. So massage and hydrotherapy. And then this is the other one. The government actually owns this now. They store a lot of their governmental papers and things in there. But you can go in and they have a little Kellogg display or the sanitarium display. And um, we were fortunate enough to have somebody that knew a little more of the history that took us around to places. But it was beautiful. They had gold stair steps, all marble, ornate. I mean, and, of course, we're not to be overly ornate. But you can see why Ellen White said, you know, it should be simpler. And you know what? When you see how ornate and everything it is, it's like, wow, you know. And then this is the back of it. It had like three or four different corridors, big ones coming off of it like that. So the place was really huge. And these beautiful columns. You could just walk through the columns and all around, the grounds was beautiful green grass, trees. It was gorgeous. I could see why people came there. And then another real advocate in hydrotherapy was George Knapp Abbott. He was a physician. And also believed hydrotherapy saved many lives in the 1918 flu. Do you guys remember that? I mean, you weren't there, but have you heard much about the 1918 flu or the Spanish flu? Do you know how many people that killed worldwide? Many, many people. Let me see, I have, I, I may have taken that slide out, but I think it was like. 20 million or something like that was a huge amount of people and I remember reading I got from PBS one of those videos and it talked about they couldn't even make coffins fast enough for the people that were dying and as soon as you get the flu in the morning you get the symptoms you were often dead by the end of the day they were already toe-tagging people as they were bringing them into the hospital knowing that if they were already coming in on a stretcher they were not going to survive But I remember even talking to people at Loma Linda that they knew somebody like in the military that had given hydrotherapy to their troops because a lot of the military people were getting ill as well, and they all survived. And then somebody else said they had a clinic set up doing hydrotherapy, and as long as the people could walk in, in Battle Creek included, they would get these special hydrotherapy, and I'm pretty sure it was from what i what I investigated as much as I could was the hot fomentations because it was a respiratory thing as well, so with the hot fomentations, and almost everybody who walked in survived and got the therapy survived, otherwise, they had nothing. The medical field had nothing for these people. Now, we look at the swine flu, right? Was that kind of scary there for a while? the h1 n one Do you know that's not far from what the Spanish flu is if you look at the molecular structure of that. Somebody was showing me one of my physician neighbors and he's like, it's not far from what the Spanish flu was. So do you think we could one day have a flu that would be that way? We now have MRSA, Versa, all those things that they don't have. People are dying of infections because we don't have medication to combat that. So, do you think you need to learn hydrotherapy? (laughs) Hydrotherapy is an amazing thing to keep our immune systems up. And if people are sick, for them to come to our homes, or we go to their homes and give them treatments to get them well. Because we don't know what the future holds. We just know this world is getting crazier practically by the minute, right? And then I recently found out not only did Abbott write a book for nurses, he also wrote one for physicians. And um, and they used to teach it at the College of Health Evangelism, of course, which is now known as Loma Linda University. So I was really thrilled to get that. And and I just picked that up at Amazon. I I ordered it on Amazon. I was like, hey, cool, it's true. Because it's like I hear things and I always have to check it out. All right. Um, An evidence-based study. In 1959, review of studies on the effects of heat treatments Mayo Clinic, doctor researcher Dr. Joachim and his colleagues cite findings indicating that the number of white blood cells in the blood increased by an average of 58% during an artificially induced fever. Is that significant? Increased by 58%, almost 60% increase of white blood cells. Now we don't know if they're actually producing those white blood cells in the bone marrow where we produce them or if they're just all coming out to the rescue kind of thing. The troops are all just coming out. So researchers have also found increases in the activity of white blood cells during induced fever, so other researchers as well. So we know that hydrotherapy is very important for our immune systems. And when you do a treatment, and I remember Dr. Thomas citing a similar article saying, yes, it goes up about 60%. It can even go up to 200%. Once the treatment is finished and you rest, you should always rest for a half an hour after an intense hydrotherapy treatment. And they say then it goes up even higher. So I would love to see research on it because it wouldn't be that hard to check blood counts. So and then here's some of our newest research. It's great for detoxifying. Remember, how how do you detoxify? We talked about it yesterday, simple hydrotherapy treatment. If you work out real hard or you have any type of deep tissue or massage, you can take a Epsom salt bath, bath. yes, right? Epsom salt bath, wonderful for that. How many cups of Epsom salt? Hey, you guys are good. Okay, I'm definitely going to pass around this goody stuff for you. All right, pain management, cancer. They're doing a lot of things at Eden Valley now with um, fever treatments and cancer. And it's amazing the results that they're getting. Arthritis, stress and muscle tension, increasing body metabolism, elimination of toxins, and of course, increasing blood circulation. The goal of hydrotherapy, remember, we're only as healthy as our circulation, right? The goal of hydrotherapy is to improve the circulation and the quality of blood. This is important because blood delivers nutrients and removes waste, right? So we need all the nutrition that the blood can give, oxygen and other nutrients, and we need to take away the waste. Now, have you ever heard of the peripheral pump? What does peripheral mean? Kind of away from the core of our bodies, right? We have our heart here that pumps. Right? And it's pumping, and it pumps the blood out to our arms, to our legs, all of that. So how do we bring that blood back? It goes through these tiny little vessels, capillaries, and then back through our veins, right? But our veins don't have a big pump like a heart behind it, right? I can slice my artery, and how's the blood going to spurt? Right? It'll just spurt right out of there with every beat of my heart. Now, if I cut just a vein, it's going to just ooze, right? Because there's no big force behind it. But you know what? You can create your own peripheral pump or your own little heart down in the feet simply by doing hot and cold water treatments. That's why people who have pain in the legs, be it from peripheral vascular disease, diabetes, right, the neuropathy, any type of um, ischemic pain, you're not getting enough circulation. Hot and cold, simple. All you need is a bucket, some hot, hot water, some cold water. Anybody can do it, and you can actually recreate your own pump. Let's take a look at this. With the heat, it dilates, right? Our vessels dilate. With the cold, they constrict. So if you're going back and forth quite a bit, See, there's your normal vessel, there's your vasodilation, your vasoconstriction with the cold. And you can actually create this pump and it will start to pump. That's why I've seen people at Weimar come in with blue feet, almost no feeling in their feet, and every day we would just simply do hot and cold. Always longer in the hot and always short in the cold. Short maybe 10 to 20 seconds. Hot maybe 20 to 30 seconds. And as you go back and forth and it's going like this, it creates its own pump. Do you see that? Does that make sense? So very, very beneficial, but also very simple. Alright, why use water? Of course we know it's the most abundant source, easy to get most anywhere, can retain heat, and cold better than any other element. It cleanses better than anything else in the world. It's a natural substance, it's not toxic. People are not allergic to water, right? It's inexpensive, easy to apply, and it comes in three forms, right? Solid, which is ice, right? Don't we love ice? Solid is ice, liquid as water and vapor, the steam, and you know you can burn yourself with steam, right? Steam can get very, very hot. And here are some temperatures. A steam bath, you might get up to 100, usually 100 to 110, 120, very hot, and that's 100% humidity. Then you have your hot foot bath. With a diabetic, you want to keep it closer to 100, and it's up to 104, and you could even get it hotter. But 104 is usually the temperature of a jacuzzi, right? I noticed they have a hot tub downstairs. We see it out of our hotel room. <laughs> and Tanya and I, our first few days, we were at another place, and, and every evening we were doing our hot and cold, jumping in the hot tub, warming up real good, and then, boom, jumping in the cold for, you know, a little while and then back. So because it does make you strong, keeps your immune system up, great to do in the winter time. And then the sauna. Look at the sauna with the dry heat, 140 to 160 degrees. We just got a new infrared sauna. We're we're making a little hydrotherapy suite. And so that thing, it gets up to usually 150, they say, for 30 minutes to sit in there. And they say it's very good for detoxifying and lots of other things. And then we have paraffin bath, which we do have one, and you guys are going to get to try it out. And see the temperature of that? Hundred and twenty five degrees to a hundred and thirty. What's boiling in water? Is it two? Tw- <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Fahrenheit? Oh, okay. <laughs> well this paraffin is 125 to about 130, maybe 134. And you dip your hands in and we'll show you how to use that. It's a lot of it, it's so simple and we just bought one at Bed Bath and Beyond for what $39. We didn't have our $5 coupon. Otherwise it would have been <laughs> $35. And I know Walmart's had them for like $29. I didn't find any here. Arthritis Not for arthritis, any type of injuries or pain in the hands where you want to soften the tissue before you work on it, especially if you have a lot of scar tissue. We um, dip feet in it, you can put feet in it. You can even take a paintbrush and paint it on the shoulder, paint the wax on, heat it up and cover it up. So we'll show you how to do that, so probably one of your later days that you'll actually get to at least put a hand in and feel. Maybe we'll do half the class one day and half the class the other. So you get to experience it, but it's wonderful, wonderful for arthritis. Now I have a homework assignment for you. (gasps) You're never going to have a homework assignment. Hot and cold showers. How many of you have showers where you're staying? Right? (laughs) If you don't use the, the jacuzzi. but the jacuzzi in the pool, right? Hot and cold is one of the best things that you can do for yourself even every morning. I almost take one every morning, depends if I'm in a rush or not, but at least one time. I'll make myself so hot that I almost can't stand it. So as you're showering and shampooing and all of that, you know, keep increasing the hot. Make it nice and hot till you almost can't stand it. That's the trick. (laughs) Otherwise, it'll shock you too much. So you get real hot and then you put it to as cold as you can take it. Now you might need to start out with cool to begin with. But you want to work it up to get as cold as you can. Because remember, the cold makes you strong, right? The cold will make you strong. So you just keep, keep going as to, to the cold as you can. And if you think you have a cold coming on or a lot of people around you are sick, you may want to do it at least two to three times. Say you come home from work, and you have a meeting, and you're presenting or something like that, and you're like, oh, no, I'm just so beat. I don't know what I'm going to do. Take a hot and cold shower. Don't grab a Coke or a coffee or anything like that. Hot and cold shower works so much better, and it's so much healthier without the side effects. Don't do it right before you go to bed, Okay? Do it in the morning or somewhere where you're okay to be hyped up. So what's your homework assignment? Okay, so if you do it just one time, the best thing if you have time in the morning, do it three times back and forth. Hot as you can take it, then as cold, and then you just jump around and, you know, move your arms and, and uh, you know, that, that it really helps, believe you me. I still do that. <laughs> and then go back and forth three times and we always end with the cold. So you end with the cold and at the end, put your feet under you know, the last part that drops out so that your skin becomes nice and red. You want to make sure it's all over your body and your skin should be nice and red. And then you take your towel to dry and you dry very vigorously. You think that increases your circulation, all of that? Huge. It increases your circulation huge. And you will probably feel, you know what? I'm going to wait till you tell me tomorrow how you feel after. You might be a little itchy. I'll, I'll tell you that, just so you don't get scared. <laughs> you might feel a little itchy, your legs or different parts of your body, and that's okay. Um, I've done it like three minutes past, 30 seconds cold, that was about to me years ago. I don't know what Oh, for 30 seconds cold? Yeah. yeah, that's about right, 20 to 30 seconds. Yeah, because yeah, if you hop around in the tub too much, the people below are going to start to wonder, right? <laughs> So rub your arms, hop up and down, don't scream too loud. And then just quickly bring it back up to the heat again. If you start fi- feeling faint when, when you're getting really hot, make it cold quickly. Don't pass out. I remember learning to give these at Weimar. They have one of those big showers with the 16 head and then it had a, another um, kind of a power hose that, that you hose them down with. And the lady who was teaching me passed out. I didn't even get to the, I didn't even get to the cold yet. Are you okay there? Yeah. So anyway, she passed out right in front of me. I'm like, she's my teacher. What am I to do? (laughs) So just be careful that you don't pass out. All right? So make sure that you end with the cold and then vigorously dry off. Okay? Now, how many people are going to do that tonight or tomorrow? You should do it in the morning, really. I don't see everybody's hands. <laughs> Who's gonna do this? Okay, I'm gonna ask tomorrow. All right, we're gonna find out how you felt. If you do it three times, you must rest for about twenty minutes after. Okay, Just lay on your bed and rest, or you know, look at your computer, call your friends, or whatever. <laughs> but rest. Yes. Yes. Yeah, try the three and see how it feels with the three because you want to be nice and pink, you know, as pink as you can get. Change in in skin color is the thing. When you're hot, you have like a deeper red. (laughs) When you do the cold, it turns brighter. And I know some of you have darker skin and it's hard to tell, but you can tell by the feeling. And you'll have a little bit of skin change. So, So go for it. And I'll be excited to hear about it tomorrow. Okay, other hydrotherapy treatments, hot and cold fomentations, salt glows. Oh my. I, I wish we had time to teach you all these, but if you're in the morning class, you're probably learning it. Otherwise, there are books to show you how to do this Agatha Thrash's book, Dr. Thomas's book, not brain science. You know, that's why we're just giving you a few basics here. So you can go. Salt glows are great for menopause and depression. I have people that come to my house, and if they're a little bit down, I'll say, here, put on my bathing suit, and I'll give you a salt glow. <laughs> and, you know, and do people forget that when you do something like that for them? So I just fill up my bathtub with a little bit of water, have them put, well, maybe like this, over the ankles, and have them just stand in there, and then I just take some salt in a bowl with a little tiny bit of water to make a paste. That's it. A bowl, just like one of those bowls. Simple as that. You scoop it out and then you kind of sandpaper them all over vigorously like this and just starting up the extremities, up the legs and you wet them down a little bit and when you get the books it'll tell you how to do all that and, uh, and then you do all the rest of it and they can do their, their own face because a lot of them want their face done and they feel so soft afterwards and it's a natural high so if you want a good natural high you're feeling down, you're sad or you know somebody that is, give them a salt glow. Have a salt glow party. Invite your friends and you guys just salt glow each other. We want everybody to be happy, right? So that that's a wonderful way just to pick people up. How long does it take? Ten minutes. You know, ten minutes. And a person is never going to forget that. You use Epsom salt or different types of salt. You can just use table salt. We just get the 33-cent Walmart salt. Yeah. You can use, some people will use rock salt and some different salts, but, you know, you better have some tough skin (laughs) for that. But even just using normal table salt is fine. Yeah. Don't shave your legs before. She's asking contraindications. If you shave your legs right before, it might burn a little bit. So if there's any sores, things like that, yeah. So... Yeah, but other than that, it's a safe treatment. And then they're already in the shower, and they just rinse off with warm water. That's all. So just so they get all the salt out of their, off their bodies. And then we have body wraps. Oh, wonderful things for anxiety and, and fevers, and we talked a little bit about that yesterday. Contrast foot bath. We talked about that. Just plain old hot and cold foot bath. So there's lots and lots of different hydrotherapy treatments that you can give. Now let's look, take a look at blood in hydrotherapy. Hydrotherapy is very cool because you can do what nobody else can do. You can move blood around in the body more powerfully with hydrotherapy than anything else. Right? Okay, let's take a look at blood and hydrotherapy. Blood has nutrition, oxygen carried by the red blood cells, right, or hemoglobin and all of that. And um, there are certain hydrotherapy treatments that can even increase red blood cells up to 20-35%, very significant. Body's defenses, you know, we may have 7 to 9,000 white blood cells in each drop of blood and you can bring it way up. What? At least 58, close to 60% and when you rest, sometimes even up to 200% increase in white blood cells. Yeah, and that's what it says here, almost two, two to three hundred percent even carries away toxins and waste products. And that's all about blood. Now blood has two limitations. Not that God has created us with not enough blood, but how much blood do we have? Anybody know? How much blood do we have circa, how many quarts of blood? Yeah, it, it's usually about five to six quarts, about five quarts of blood that we have in our bodies that circulate, alright? So a lot of times there's not enough of it. When you eat, where does all your blood go? Right? So do you have enough in your muscles to go right after you eat and work out and things like that? No, because it's busy helping with the digestion and all of that. That's why your mom tells you don't go swimming after you've eaten because all the blood is rushed here, and you can get cramps in your muscles from not enough blood. 25% of our five quarts of blood are constantly in the lungs. So 25% of that five quarts, which is a quarter, is always in our lungs. And of course, we always have some in the liver, and in the, in the kidneys, and things like that as well, our other organs. So here's the second limitation of blood. There is a tendency of blood to congest or pool in different parts of the body. When it pools in the, in the head, what type of symptoms do we have? Headaches, Headaches right? If you're just sitting on your computer and, and not exercising, all your blood is going to go to your brain. Because your brain does take a lot of energy and blood will go to the brain. Now if you have it in the pelvis, you have blood that's always pooling in the pelvis area, what, what, what do women get a lot of? Cramps, Cramps right? And a lot of that is because blood is being congested all in one area, right? Now we can go out and exercise and work out our, our muscles and our arms and legs and that helps to pull some blood away. But we can also move blood by what we call derivation. It's the ability to move blood from one part of the body to another. And it's one of those old words back in hydrotherapy days, derivation. So if you have a headache and you put your feet in hot water, it will pull the blood where? Right, to your feet because the vessels will dilate and it will pull the blood down that, in that direction. And that is a very important part about hydrotherapy. When you're giving treatments, think about what you want to do. Where do you want to move that blood into? Where do you want to move it out of? If we have a pain, uh, an area where people are having a lot of pain, remember we talked about the pain cycle? A lot of times there's not enough circulation in that area because of the toxins and the ischemia and uh, the crushing of the vessels kind of thing. So it's not getting enough blood. We want to get lots of blood to an area of pain in any problem area. So how would we do that? Say I have shoulder pain, how am I going to get a lot of blood to the shoulder? I know there's something going on in the muscles. Heat, Heat, yeah. You can even just take a a cloth or one of these towels, like a towel out of your room, wring it out, put it in the microwave in a plastic bag, heat it up and then just lay that right on there, put a towel in between, but that'll heat it up nicely while maybe you're working on their feet or another part of their body, or just leave it on there for a few minutes before you start working on it so it starts to calm it down. So we want to be able to move blood around. Okay, here's just some basic hydrotherapy guidelines. Always keep your feet warm during a treatment, right? Same thing if, you have, if you're menstruating, Anything that, that, that's going on and you're having a lot of pain, keep your feet warm because we were, we're counseled to have even circulation. And if you have cold hands all the time or cold feet, make sure you're keeping them warm. All right, Cover them up and keep them warm. The lower the temperature, the shorter should be the application. Very, very, very cold. It should only be one to five seconds, no longer. I remember at Dr. Thomas's, While we were taking classes, Dr. Thomas was called out. He was actually teaching one of our classes for us. And he was called out, and it it was uh, cold bath day. So we'd filled this big bathtub uh, up with cold water and then threw ice in it to make it even colder. We wanted to make it nice and cold. So he got called away on a phone call. So we're like, hey, who wants to get in? Let's go ahead and, and do this. So we had a guy, Bobby, he always volunteered. So Bobby crawls in there, and we're like, "Okay, let's see. How long can you stay in the cold water? (laughs) Well, he was in for about a minute or so. And he's he's like shivering, and his lips are turning blue. And Dr. Thomas just came back then. Get him out of there. (laughs) He was all upset that we did that. Because really, if it's very cold like that, it should only be a few seconds that you're in the cold. It'll still have a good strengthening effect but you don't want to turn blue and get hypothermia and things like that. So anyways, you know, we we were just students then. So train clients to progressively react to the coldest applications. So when you're doing your showers, a little colder, a little hotter. Um, Avoid any heat treatments for patients with Multiple multiple sclerosis, right? No heat for patients with multiple sclerosis. Cold applications should be preceded by a warm or hot treatment such as a hot foot bath. So if you're going to do anything cold, make sure they're warm first. And is that with patients with MS? It, it just happens to be part of the disease process. It, it grows more with the heat. And if you know anybody that has MS, they tend to have their house cooler and they like the cold. They do better in the cold than in the heat. I've seen an MS patient one time go and get fever treatments, and she came back way, way worse at one of our health centers, and I felt really, really bad. And then when I started studying this, I'm like, no wonder. You know, MS is one of the only ones that particularly know heat. So, yeah. And then this is, yeah, 20 to 50 million people worldwide. I should back this this slide up. But I think I kept it at the end to, to show the importance of why we need to learn hydrotherapy. Because we may be helping a lot of people when nobody else can. And this is from Dr. Harvey Kellogg's uh, thing that he had, like one of his magazines, Good Health. There, the Spanish influenza treatment. 25 cents a copy, back in the good old days. So the medical missionary work should be part of the work of every church in our land. So just to kind of bring that back home again, and to everyone who offers himself to the Lord for service, withholding nothing is given power for the attainment of measureless results, right? And I love that text that said God will give us abundantly above all that we can even imagine or think. Right? And that's what I think of when I think of measureless results. For those, God will do great things. And that's out of Ministry of Healing, page 160. So give it to God. He will take care of things. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit